This is the day the Lord has made. Come on, let's rejoice and be glad in it. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Our feet shall stand within thy gates, O Jerusalem. I'm Dr. D.Z. Cofield, senior pastor here at the Good Hope Missionary Baptist Church of Houston, Texas. I want to thank you for joining us in our I Hope broadcast experience. This is our attempt to minister to you on the digital platform. And I want to thank you for participating, for giving us today the privilege of your time. Listen, it's a whole lot easier to find someplace else to worship online than it is even in person. But you've taken time out of your schedule to be with us. And I want to say thank you to all of you who have tuned in. Now remember, there's never been a better time for hope. So, if you know somebody who would benefit from this broadcast, listen, like us, share us with family members and friends, and let them know they can find us anytime they want at goodhope.org. Follow us on Facebook, follow us on YouTube, and allow the Lord to speak into your life. Oh, before I go any further, happy Father's Day to all of the fathers, to all of the dads, to all of the pops. To all of the poppies, whatever name you go by, Big Daddy, listen, happy Father's Day to you. Now, you know, fathers, we don't get the love that mothers get on Mother's Day, but it doesn't mean it's not deserved. And for those of you who may not have the relationship with your dad that you like to have or would like to have, let me encourage you to reach out and touch someone today. Reach out if they're still in the land of the living and just let them know that you wish them a happy Father's Day. And if your father has gone home to be with the Lord, maybe the greatest gift you can give to yourself is to forgive them so that you can let go of some past hurt and pain and move forward in your life in a positive way. Our scripture reading today comes from Proverbs chapter one. Proverbs chapter one. I'm reading from the ESV translation and I'm beginning at verse one and we'll read through verse nine. Verse one begins, the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. To know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. To understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching, for they are a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. I have read for you Proverbs chapter 1, verses 1 through 9. This is the word of God for the people of God, and our proper response is, thanks be to God. Let's go to God in prayer and ask God's blessings on our time today. Father, thank you for this day, this day that we have never seen before. 
And if history is true and repeats itself a day that we will never see again. We pray now, God, that all that we do and all that we say will be pleasing in your sight. Encourage our fathers today. Bless those who are heads of households. Help them to know, God, that they are not in this journey by themselves. Encourage them, equip them, and empower them with your word that they will continue to run on and recognize that even though their children may be grown, they still have a responsibility of fatherhood. And for those who may not have children, God, help them to recognize that they can be the surrogate father, the step-in father for somebody else to encourage them along the way. We love you, God, and we ask your blessings in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're grateful today for this Father's Day. We're also celebrating in the sanctuary today our graduates for 2022. And whether they are graduating from preschool or kindergarten or elementary school, middle school, high school, college, postgraduate, doctoral level classes, uh, whether they're graduating summa cum laude, magna cum laude, or thank you, laude, man, we just want to congratulate all of you who have exercised the discipline necessary to walk across that stage. You know, whenever somebody tells you um, an education is not important or a degree is not important, what they're really telling you is they don't have one. Because if you have put in the time, the effort, and the energy, uh, you recognize that even if it's nothing but the discipline necessary to do it is character building and helps to develop your competency as well. And so we want to say congratulations to everybody who has graduated this year. All right. God bless you. God be with you. Listen, praise team is coming to minister in song. Following that, we'll have our word for today. And if you know a father who needs a word of encouragement or a head of household, who needs a word of encouragement, man, make sure you call them, gather them, get them around the screen so they can be blessed by today's word. Pastors are a gift from God. God gave us Dr. D.Z. Cofield 28 years ago. Bible says, I will give you pastors. Anything that come from God is a gift. So he's our gift. And so we're here to celebrate this month our pastor who gives us the living word. And so we're so grateful for him. And, and, and even on that other side of what Reverend Bell was talking about, he says the man of God is worthy of double honor. That word honor in the Greek means money. He's worthy of double money. Hallelujah. <laughs> and so today we come together to sing one of pastor's favorite songs that he is the living word bread of life sent down from glory many things you were on earth 
a holy king, a carpenter. You are the living word, say, bread of heaven, sent down from glory, sent down from glory, many things you were, a holy king, a carpenter, you are the living word, say it again, sent down from glory. Redeemer. Gentle Redeemer, God with us, God with us. the living truth, and, and what a friend we have in you. You are the living word, awesome ruler, gentle Redeemer. Anybody can say, you are the living word. Say, Jesus, Jesus, that's what we call you.
are the living word. There's something about the name Jesus. Something about the name Jesus. It is the sweetest name I know. Oh, how I love the name Jesus. Oh, how I love the name Jesus. It is a sweet name. I know. I need to hear you say it. So humble about the name Jesus. Come on, help me say it, church. Something about the name Jesus. Dr. Cofield, it's the sweetest. It's sweeter and sweeter as the day go by.
wipes away my tears. It is the sweetest. Man, what a blessing. What a blessing. I, I want to send a special shout and thank you to uh, Reverend Cameron Jenkins, who is our youth and young adult director here at our church. Um, as you can tell, he's gifted uh, not just as a preacher and proclaimer of the word, uh, but he's a gifted singer and worship facilitator as well. And I'm, I'm grateful. How many of you know there's something about the name of Jesus? Come on, put it in the chat, if you will. There's something about the name of Jesus. You know, when I was a little boy and I would go to church and I would hear them talking about the name of Jesus, power in the name of Jesus, healing in the name of Jesus, peace in the name of Jesus. And man, I would hear them say that, but I didn't find out about the power in the name of Jesus until I had to call on the Lord for myself. And when I had to call on the Lord for myself, I was in a situation where I couldn't do anything else except call on his name. That's what came to my mind, to call on his name. And God knows, boy, I can testify that there's power in the name of Jesus. Thank you, praise team. Thank you, Pastor Cameron Jenkins, for allowing the Lord to use you in such a powerful, powerful way. Let's go to God and pray and ask God's blessings on our time today. Father, we thank you and we bless you today for just this opportunity to stand and proclaim your word. I pray now, God, that everything that we do and everything that we say will be pleasing in your sight and will bring glory and honor to you. May the sinner be evangelized. May the saint be edified and may you be glorified today in all that we do and say it's in Jesus name we pray amen so one of the things that I've learned in life is that children don't come with manuals uh, between my wife and I we have five children we have some bonus children that we have also claimed and none of them came with a manual. And here's the other thing that I learned. Just because you have multiple children, you could write your own manual after you have your first child. And when you get to that second child, you know what you'll discover? You have to throw that manual out. Because each child, even though they grow up in the same household, live under the same roof, put their feet under the same table and eat out of the same pot, the truth of the matter is that our children are individuals who come with no manual. Not only that, the overwhelming majority of us who are parents come with no experience. So you're talking about in many instances the blind leading the blind. It's trial and error, and hopefully you don't mess up the first child or the second child too bad before you get to the third child. Here's the truth of the matter. The truth of the matter is each one of us should be pressing to be the best parent we can be. Now, we know being a parent requires, requires no experience, Right? Uh, we know there's no exam to determine your fitness to be a parent. And we know when you leave the hospital, you don't get a manual 
with your child telling you everything you need to do and giving you the answer to every scenario and situation in terms of how to raise your child. But here's what else we know. The Bible gives us principles. And today I want to encourage you who are fathers and those of you who are heads of households. I want to encourage you today to be the best you can possibly be. Those of you who are part of our church family, those of you who have gone through new members orientation, you know I have a saying. I say to everybody, you're not here to make me a big preacher. You're not here to make us a big church. I am here and our church is here. Our staff is here to help you become the biggest and best Christian you can possibly be. How to be the best husband and wife, mother and daughter, father and son, how to be the best you can possibly be so you can walk in victory and not in defeat. Today, I want to talk to you from the thought being the best father you can, being the best father you can. And I want to share with you four principles from the word of God, uh, principles that I believe a man embodies that we don't typically look at around Father's Day, but I think this man would definitely qualify as not just a good father, but a father that you want to follow in terms of his example. Our text today is Mark chapter 5. We're going to begin at verse 21, and we'll go down through these verses as we follow this story of a man named Jairus. Here's the first principle I want to share with you. Number one, as a real father, you must seek the Lord. As a real father, you must seek the Lord. Mark chapter 5, verse 21. And when Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered about him, and he was beside the sea. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and seeing him, he fell at his feet. Let's stop right there. Jesus had healed a man possessed by multiple demons. He then crosses over to the other side, and his reputation precedes him. There's a great crowd of people. They are waiting there for Jesus to land on the other side. And the Bible says among them was a man named Jairus. Now, what's interesting is the text says that Jairus was one of the rulers of the synagogue. He was a man of position. He was a man of prestige. He was a man of prominence, and he was a man of possessions. He was a man of means. He was, he was somebody in the community. You don't become a ruler of the synagogue in a Jewish community and not be well-respected. But what's interesting is in the midst of all that he was, he put it aside to seek the Lord. Watch what the text says. The text says he came to Jesus and he saw him. I don't want you to miss this. I don't want you to read too fast. First, he came to Jesus, which means what? He left where he was to make his way to Jesus. 
Let me put a cord in the meter and park right there for a second because it's important for us to understand that whenever we need something from God, we cannot just stay where we are and demand that God come to us or meet us where we are. We have to learn to move and make our way to him. Now, I know what somebody's thinking. What, what are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying that sometimes, like Jairus, the move was a physical move. But for somebody else, it's a mental move. It's an emotional move. For somebody else, it's a spiritual move that God needs you to be willing to make. See, a lot of times when we're praying, we're asking God to come in and bless, but we want God to bless us where we are. Even when we are in a foul place, when we've got stinking thinking going on, when we're in a bad spirit, but we want God to come to us instead of recognizing that we've got to learn to move from where we are, to move from where God is not blessing, to get to the place where God is blessing. Jairus comes to Jesus, and then the text says, he saw the Lord. Um, that, that idea of seeing by implication means to discern clearly, to, to see clearly, to focus on. He, he, he sees the Lord and, and, and that seeing can be physical, but don't just limit it to the physical. It can also be mental. In other words, he recognizes that he has to make a change and he sees what he hopes will be his solution. See, here's what Jairus recognized. He had possessions, but he couldn't pay enough to take care of his problem. He had status, but he couldn't impress enough to get people to help him with his situation. He had wealth, but his wealth couldn't will his daughter to healing. He had access to the best of everything, but there was nothing he could do. And so he makes his way to Jesus. Somebody that's listening today, uh, your father, uh, you're the mother, you're the head of the household. Here's what I want to encourage you to do. Uh, when you get to the place where you can't do anything else or you have tried everything you know but try, I want to remind you and pray that the Holy Ghost reminds you that you can always go to the Lord. And when you take it to the Lord or take that person to the Lord or take that situation to the Lord, you can leave it with the Lord. See, here's what you need to understand. When you seek God, you now invite God into your world to deal with your situation. The one thing I love about the Lord, the Lord will not intrude where he's not invited. He will not intrude where he's not invited. But when you go to him, you are now inviting him to speak into your situation, which leads me to the second thing. Number two, as a real father, you must submit yourself to the Lord. As a real father, you must submit yourself to the Lord. Watch what the text says. Go to verse 22. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and seeing him, he fell at his feet and implored him earnestly. Seeing him, seeing Jesus, 
Look at his reaction. He fell at his feet and implored him earnestly. He does not approach him with arrogance. He does not approach him giving him his extensive resume, his background. He, he doesn't feel the need to inform Jesus of who is in his presence or to share his credentials with him. He comes to him and submits to him as a child would submit to a parent. He fell at his feet. The highest sign of humility. He falls at his feet and he implores Jesus. This word literally means to, to call to one side or to ask for one's help or one's assistance to, to come and walk with me. He, he implores Jesus and the text says he does it earnestly. He does it sincerely. In other words, Jairus is not playing games. He's, he's not concerned with what other people think or what other people say. He's not concerned about their opinion. He is focusing on submitting himself to the Lord. Here's what Jairus realizes. He recognizes the need to submit himself in order to position himself to submit his situation to Jesus. He has to submit himself before he can get to the place where he can say, Jesus, I need you to take care of this. I need to give this over to you. And my brothers and sisters, there's somebody in here. Maybe the thing that is keeping you from receiving what God has for you, maybe the thing that's keeping you from seeing your prayers answered, maybe the thing that's keeping you from walking in the victory that God wants you to walk in is not the predicament, maybe it's your pride. Lord, have mercy. I'm already preaching. You don't even know it. it, it it's your pride. It's your pride that continues to think you can figure it out and you can work it out instead of you giving it to the Lord. But watch this. You can't give your situation to the Lord until you give yourself to the Lord. J. Iris comes, no resume in hand, no, no armor bearers around him, no hanger-ons, no groupies. He comes and kneels. Watch, watch. He doesn't pay anybody to kneel for him. <laughs> he, he falls down before the Lord and implores him earnestly, ask him earnestly to walk beside me and to help me in my situation. Somebody that's listening right now, if your situation is not enough to humble you, then hold on because more will come to humble you. Even in this day and time, let's be honest, being a parent with grown children is humbling enough. Being a parent of young children can be horrifying. I mean, so many of our parents now are choosing to homeschool rather than send them into what has become in many instances battleground territory in schools where children who go to school, even at elementary schools now, are not safe. What, what, what do we do? What do we do when it's more than we can handle, when it's more than we can figure out? 
And Jairus says, man, I got to start with submitting myself to the Lord. What a great example, fathers. What a great example, parents, to to set before your children. Uh, The example of prayer and humbling yourself before God. Not, not trying to be the one that knows everything, but humbling yourself before God and actually bringing your children in and having them pray with you. Because when they see you pray, they will know and learn the value of prayer. Here's the third thing. Number three, as a real father, you must make your supplication known to the Lord. You must make your supplication known to the Lord. Verse 23, uh, 22, then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus, by name, and seeing him, he fell at his feet and implored him earnestly, saying, my little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. And verse 24, and he went with him and a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. Jairus gets to Jesus, falls on his feet, and begins to supplicate or petition the Lord for the sake of his daughter. He's coming in an intercessor's role. He's not coming praying for himself. He's praying for his daughter, 12 years old, who is gravely ill He doesn't know what to do. Obviously, nobody else knows what to do. She is at the point of death. And I would assume as the ruler of the synagogue, they have done everything humanly possible within their disposal to do to try to save her life. And the text says he comes to Jesus. He makes supplication to the Lord on behalf of his daughter and submits his family to God. Think about it for a minute. He seeks God. He submits himself to God. And now he makes supplication to the Lord so the Lord can deal with his problem. It's as if if Jairus says, listen, It's in my hands right now, but but Lord, there's nothing I can do. I've done everything I can, so I'm going to put it in your hands. Lord, I need you to come and lay hands on my daughter. Listen to me carefully. Listen to me carefully. As quick as possible, sooner than soon, I'm talking about right now, whatever it is that you're dealing with, take it out of your hands and put it in his hands. Whether it's a person, a place, or a thing, a predicament, a problem, a situation, or circumstance, take it out of your hands and put it into the Lord's hands. Whoever you are and whatever you're going through, put your situation in the Lord's hands. Jairus has a 12-year-old girl. And you know this father, like any father worth their salt, would gladly trade places with his daughter if he could. He would give his life 
in exchange for his child's life. Nothing he can do, but he goes to Jesus. Here's what I need you to understand. A, trust the Lord with your family. Trust the Lord with your family. Even though Jairus was a ruler in the synagogue, he knew that the situation with his daughter was above his pay grade. He knew there was nothing he could do, so he trusted the Lord with his family. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. And notice verse 24, the A part of verse 24. And he went with him. I, I can shout right there. Some of y'all missed it right there. Because watch this. Jesus went with Jairus. The text says he went with him. The Lord will go with you when you ask him to. The Lord will go with you when you ask him to. But watch B. Watch B. You might miss this. B, trust the Lord with his timing. Trust the Lord with his timing. Now, I need you to jump from verse 24 down to verse 35. Watch what the text says. While he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house some who said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? So while Jesus is still speaking, now, speaking to whom? Well, there's this delay that takes place. Jairus asked Jesus to come lay hands on his daughter and Jesus is on his way. The text says, and he went with him and the crowd followed him. But something happens in verse 25. And between verses 25 and verses 34, Jesus has an encounter with a woman with an issue of blood. Ironically enough, this woman with an issue of blood has had this issue of blood for 12 years. Jairus' daughter is 12 years old, and the Bible says this woman had an issue of blood for 12 years. I believe God is trying to tell somebody it doesn't matter whether you were born with it or whether you inherited it, whether you got it by nature or not nurture you can still find healing in the hands of the Lord so watch what happens this woman comes presses in the crowd touches the hem of his garment she's healed Jesus says somebody touches me somebody touched me the disciples said what do you mean somebody touched you everybody's touching you said no 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 there was a special touch there was not just a physical contact, but there was a spiritual connection. I don't have time to talk about this woman right now, but here's all I want you to understand. This woman seems to be a little out of place. Here's why. Jairus was in line first. He's already talked to Jesus and said, come on. Come to my house, lay hands on my daughter. Jesus is on his way. And the Bible says the line is cut by this woman with an issue of blood. I told you, B, you got to trust the Lord with his timing. Somebody, listen to me right now. Don't get mad or upset when somebody who appears to have been praying shorter than you seems to get the answer to their prayer and you haven't gotten yours yet. You praying, asking God to bless you with something 
and he seems to be blessing this person over here with their second or third chance. You have to learn how to trust his timing. Watch what the Lord says. Verse 36, but overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not fear, only believe. He says to Jairus, don't fear, don't fear, just believe. The same belief that made you come to me is the same belief that'll keep you and sustain you and help you understand that a delay is not a denial. Watch what the text says, verse 37. And he allowed no one to follow him except Peter and James and John, the brother of James. They come to the house. Jesus comes in. People are crying. They're weeping. They're wailing. And Jesus looks at them and says, verse 39, why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead. She is sleeping. She's not dead. She's sleeping. But watch what happens. They shift from weeping to laughing. Verse 40 says, and they laughed at him. But he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was. Can I tell you something? Just just passing through. Verse 40. Sometimes if you want to see God move in your life, you've got to put some folk out of your life. Especially people who don't believe God. When you have people in your life and you want to see God move, you've got to make sure you separate yourself from the people who don't believe God because their lack of faith will not activate or encourage your faith to see the power of God move on your behalf. You know, when the Bible talks about touching and agreeing, everybody who touches don't agree. Come on, put it in the chat. Everybody who touches don't agree. Some folk you need to ask to step out if you want to see God step in and do what you need done. Now, watch what happens. The text says that this girl, 12 years old, is touched by the Lord. Here's the last thing I'm going to share with you, number four, and then I'm going to let you go. As a real father, you must introduce your family to Jesus. As a real father, you must introduce your family to Jesus. You've got to introduce your family to the Lord. You've got to introduce your family to the one who is bigger than you are. That's part of your spiritual responsibility. Look at what the text says, verse 38, they came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and Jesus saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. And when he had entered, he said to them, why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead but sleeping. And they laughed at him, but he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was. Taking her by the hand, he said to her, we're in verse 41, Talitha kumi, which means little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl got up and began walking 
for she was 12 years of age. And they were immediately overcome with amazement. And he strictly charged them that no one should know this and told them to give her something to eat. This girl, watch this, got a chance to meet Jesus because of the actions of her father. If her father had not taken Jesus to her, she would have never had a chance to experience his healing power. She would have never had a chance to experience his saving power if her father had not taken Jesus to the house. Come on, somebody in me, somebody listening right now, if you're in the chat, write it in the chat. Take Jesus to the house. Take Jesus to the house. I don't care where you live. Take Jesus to the house. See, a father is a real father when he introduces his family to the one his heavenly father sent for our salvation. Jairus had enough sense to subject himself and submit himself to an omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent, and immutable God. He had enough sense to take his burdens to the Lord and leave them there. And I just want to leave somebody with this thought. Go to the Lord. Take, take it to the Lord. Whatever you're dealing with, whatever you're going through, take it to the Lord. And know that when you take it to the Lord, watch this. You, you, you not only trust him with your family, but you got to trust him with his timing. But when you take it to the Lord, know that the Lord will carry you through. Somebody that's listening right now, you've got a, a problem. It may be a private problem that's affecting you in your public walk. But I got news for you. Whether your problem is private or public, you can take it to the Lord. And when you take it to the Lord, know that the situation you can't handle, don't worry, he will carry you through. If you've been smiling in public but crying in private, take your problem to the Lord and know he will bring you through. Somebody you've been worrying in this climate, in this economic environment with inflation going up, and, and, and gas prices going up and food costs going up and rent going up and interest rates going up and, and your money is getting shorter than the month. You're wondering how you're going to make it, what you're going to do. I dare you to take it through and take it to the Lord. Sometimes it's not enough to put the problem in his hands. Sometimes God will put you in a situation so you'll put yourself in his hands. Humble yourself to God and put yourself in his hands. See, it's by faith that you're going to conquer the mountains that are in front of you. It's by faith, even though you get knocked down, you're able to get up. It's by faith that God will give you the strength that you need to renew your day by day to keep you going forward when you want to give up and go back. Ask the Savior to help you. 
Ask the Savior to comfort, strengthen, and keep you. He is willing to aid you. The old song said, he will carry you through. And remember, even when your situation might appear to be dead, he's still the God who specializes in resurrection power. Be the father that God wants you to be. Be the head of household that God wants you to be. Seek him. Submit to him. Make your supplication to him. And then make sure if you do nothing else, take Jesus home. Take him to the house. Come on, let's pray. Father, we thank you and bless you for this day. We pray now that everything that we do and everything that we say will be pleasing in your sight, will bring glory and honor to you. Uh, it's in Jesus' name that we pray and we ask these blessings. Amen. You've had opportunity today throughout this broadcast to respond, and I want to encourage you to do so if the Lord is leading you to. I'm grateful for those who have been coming to our church in person and those who have been joining on the virtual platform, those who have been watching and have come since we've reopened. And I want you to know you're welcome to engage with us wherever you are, however God leads you. So if you want to come, we're worshiping at 10 a.m. each Sunday. But if you want to stay where you are and you want to worship and you want to continue with I Hope Church on the digital platform, Man, we're excited that you're with us on I Hope Church. If you want to do a hybrid experience, maybe you want to come one, two Sundays a month and you want to worship virtually the other Sundays, however the Lord leads you, listen, we're just privileged and grateful to God that you take the time out of your schedule to be with us. Now, if you're looking for a savior, you need Jesus Christ in your life. You need to commit your life to God. I want you to click on that link or tap on that link to let you know how to ask Jesus Christ into your life. If you're looking for a church home and you believe this is where God wants you to be, uh, we're not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. Listen, if we were perfect, we wouldn't want you, right? The truth of the matter is we are all imperfect people serving a perfect God, doing our best to become all that God wants us to be. And we welcome you to join us on the journey. So if you'd like to become part of our church family and join our virtual church family, you're welcome to do that. Just click on that link. Now, for those of you who want to give, uh, we, we thank you. We honor you for your faithfulness in your giving. Um, there are hundreds of lives that we touch every week, thousands every month in a variety of ways. And we're so grateful and so thankful to the Lord that God has given us the privilege to be able to be a blessing to others. And we want to thank you for your giving. And for those of you who want to give, uh, we encourage you to do so. You can give on one of six different platforms, including Cash App, uh, PayPal, PushPay, uh, Zelle, uh, any number of ways, Givelify. Uh, however you want to give, we welcome you to give as God has blessed you and give as God leads you. Now, I want to share with this with you. Um, in a moment, we're going to hear a word from uh, Pastor Sloan, 
and his wife, Marshall. They are in Uganda, and I'm going to let him tell you what's going on and how they're doing. But this is just one of many things that God is allowing us to do to take hope to the world. And we're continuing to pray and ask God to give us guidance and direction so that we can be in the center of his perfect will. Um, We're partnering with several organizations, including Texans, helping Texans, and we're going to be doing uh, food drives, uh, food pantry giveaways um, in various locations in the Houston metropolitan area. Uh, We're going to connect with the state food bank and connect with local agencies. Uh, We plan on partnering with pastors in various locales. Already met with some pastors in the San Antonio area. We're going to be going to the Beaumont area. Um, God is just opening up some doors and giving us an opportunity to touch people's lives. And man, if there's ever been a time we needed some encouragement and we needed some help, we sure do need it now. So let's pray and let's support. Let's give and continue to let God have his way in our lives. All right, let's hear from the Sloans and then we'll be back in just a moment. Praise the Lord. We have finished and graduated from our Key Swahili language course. And Asante Sana to each and every one of you for your love, your prayers, and your support that has brought us through these last four months of intense learning. We have learned to formally write and speak Key Swahili. Now we'll get the opportunity for lots of informal learning in Uganda. We are now in Dar es Salaam for some much needed rest and relaxation after such an intense course. We'll spend the next couple of weeks uh, traveling around the northern and the eastern part of here in Tanzania before we head back to Uganda to begin our ministry there at the end of August time frame. We hope all is well with you and your families and Asante Sana and Mungu Awa Barikieni. God bless you guys. We love you. Love you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Man, what a great joy to see the Sloans. Don't they look amazing? They look amazing. They're spending some time now in Tanzania or Tanzania, as some would pronounce it, on their way back to Uganda. Uh, but they got that key Swahili man and they're making it work. And we are excited uh, that they're part of our church family and we're praying for them that God will continue to use them in a powerful, powerful way. Now, last but not least, please remember, God is doing something wonderful in you. God is doing something wonderful in me. I want to encourage you, be the salt and the light God has called you to be. Not in the sanctuary but in the world. See, I don't know if you've ever ridden by a light store at night. It's dark outside. And man, light stores look amazing because they'll have every light in the place on. And you ride down the street and man, you just see all of these lights. But guess what? That light is not doing anybody in the, any good in the light store. When you have people who are in their homes and their homes are in darkness. The salt shaker does food no good, does the body no good if it just stays in the salt shaker, right? It's got to get out. Uh, you need that sodium. You need that potassium. 
You need that calcium. You may not need much, but you need some of it. And listen to me carefully. The world needs the children of God to be the salt and light that he's called us to be. All right. Till next time, God bless you is my prayer. Come on, sing it with us. God is doing something wonderful in me. Showing up on the outside And it's showing up on the outside